if we can all just embrace that a little bit more and understand that food serves us in so many ways. Um, and it's a matter of tuning into our body and our mind and our heart and figuring out what service do we need at that time, at that time. I'm Kristen Dovniak, holistic nutritionist and mama of two, and this is the Healthy Balance Mama podcast, where I believe every mama is a super mama, and you deserve to feel like one too, and you don't need to go on another diet to do it. This is a podcast about ditching the diet dogma, embracing intuitive eating, real food, and living healthy, happy, and whole. Hey friends, welcome back to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I am so excited to have another guest on with me today. Laura Bruner is a certified nutrition consultant, certified CrossFit trainer, safer skincare advocate, co-host of the Modern Mamas podcast, and mama to Evie Wilder. She's a firm believer in the mind-body-soul connection. Laura's goal is to educate and inspire towards intuitive shifts in daily habits and mindset, leading to healthier minds and bodies and the empowerment that comes with taking health into our own hands. She's so excited to have recently launched her Intuitively You online course and her Radical Roots fitness programs, six-week postpartum fitness programming, and six-week fitness and flow for all. Laura, her husband Rusty, and their almost two-year-old Evie are currently adventuring this country in their converted van, following their hearts, spending time outside, and connecting with their community. You can follow along on their journey on Instagram and their YouTube channel. So I have followed Laura since she was pregnant with her sweet little girl, so I guess it was more than two years ago now, and I find her so uplifting and inspirational in her journey of tuning in to her intuition and just empowering mamas. So I'm so excited to have her on. So welcome, Laura. Thank you so much, Kristen. It's such a treat. I am really touched that you reached out and so excited to be able to actually connect here um, and have a full chunk of time just to talk. It's awesome, and I love that we're both So you said your daughter, Ren, is six months younger than Evie? Yeah, she's about, well, she's 19 months right now. So I think it's about six months. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly. Evie will be two a week from today. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So it's not too far off. That would require me to do math in my head, but. (laughs) (laughs) Too early for that. (laughs) Yeah. I am like a from the beginning listener of the Modern Mamas podcast. I I discovered it, like I said, while you were pregnant with her, I think right when you guys started it. And I was like, I instantly connected with both you and Jess. And when this comes out, Jess will have already aired on the podcast. So she's actually going to be on as well, um, or will have been on as well. And I just, I love the two of you and everything you do. (laughs) So. Thanks. That means we'll have to have you on ours now so we can have this like kind of like a podcast uh, inception. I would love that. (laughs) So I already shared your bio, but can you just kind of share um, with my listeners from, you know, from your own words, who you are and a little bit more about what you do? Mm, Gosh. Um, Well, I'm Laura (laughs) and I, let's see, you know, it's been amazing just to kind of see how my work and my passion has evolved over time. Um, you know, starting out years ago in like 2012, I was kind of, honestly, I look back now and that's when I started really like blogging and kind of sharing recipes and stuff online. But when I see myself now looking back at that time, I think I was still very much in the throngs of of a disordered relationship with food and with fitness. Um, and so I've been kind of putting myself out there throughout my journey. Um, you know, at the time I had no period, I was not fertile. And now I have an almost two-year-old daughter, I have come into a place where I can truly say that I love my body and I love, um, I love food in a whole new way. And I've learned to become more in tune with myself and, and all of this, you know, I've shared as, as it's happened, as I've gone through my journey. And it's been, 
I'm so grateful for the space to share and for the openness to being vulnerable and um, all the women I've come into contact with through my work that have, it's not just me putting work out there and putting information. It's me growing along with the women that I'm working with and the people that I'm sharing with through the podcast and my blog and um, our YouTube channel and now getting out on the road and actually meeting so many of these women in person. It's just been the most incredible thing. So I guess, um, all that said, I, you know, what I do is ultimately comes down to, I think, connection and sharing and vulnerability and, you know, hopefully inspiring others in whatever way works best for them to just to be a little bit more in tune with their body and, and to love themselves a little bit more. One of the things I talk about a lot lately I've been talking about is the kind of this idea of like radical self-love, um, and the reason why it's radical is because I think that I know myself and a lot of the women that I've worked with, sometimes it's, it's hard and society doesn't really allow for the freedom, sadly, to love ourselves. And that's why it's, it is radical because, um, it's considered, you know, maybe like egocentric or, you know, we should be always focusing on everyone else, especially as moms. And so I don't know exactly what my specific, um, purpose is in th- my work, but I'm learning as I go. And it's been such a treat to get to learn through the work and through connection. Um, and that's kind of where I am right now, just a little bit all over the place, but I wouldn't change a thing because I like to be able to just share where I feel sharing is needed. And I love to be able to grow, um, through, through the process. I love that so much. I think it is all wrapped up in that radical self-love idea, right? Because there's so many ways um, that we can we can love on ourselves in coming to peace with our bodies and finding this really beautiful place of nourishment with food and fitness and not you know being in this place of disorder but really finding that place of balance. I think it's all a part of that self love journey, and I love that you have been so open to sharing throughout your journey, um, you know, from being in that place with not getting your period and being in that disordered place with food and fitness and, and being open and vulnerable in sharing that. Because I think not everyone would be comfortable kind of sharing their journey. And I know that I, it's taken me a long time to be open about my own disordered eating journey. Um, I think I, I had kind of mentioned it in passing for a long time, but Once I started sharing more, the more connections I made. And I think that's exactly what you've done. As far as I've seen, the whole way through your journey is just creating more connections, like you said, through really sharing your story. And I think that's that's so beautiful. And I think that's why so many women connect with you. Well, thank you. That means a lot. It's, you know, it's it's interesting being so open and and now you you have a podcast too so you know whatever you say I think Liz Wolf put it this way that's like once you put something out into the internet into the world it's like peeing in a pool you can't get it back <laughs> <laughs> um but you know like you like you mentioned I've been doing this podcast since I was pregnant and I've been sharing a lot of my motherhood journey and I've taken each step of the way not really being sure how much I wanted to share but it's been nothing but positive and I've felt nothing but connection and support um and so it's been incredibly rewarding for me I think it as much as our podcast might have supported other women and offered insight and education and, um, and community, it's also done that for me. And so I can honestly say that being in this world and sharing my work has also helped me so tremendously in my own motherhood transition. Um, you know, my birth story was episode five, so it's, I was in it, like going (laughs) through it along with so many other women. Um, and then just feeling that solidarity and camaraderie and community has been, really made all the difference. And I think that's such an important part of the motherhood 
journey in general um, is just having other people, other women who are in it with us because we are not meant, as humans, we're not meant to do this alone, Um, you know, like, and so I feel even though it's not the same as necessarily being hand in hand, it is very, very much important to connect, even if it is um, online or through headphones. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I, I think there's really something to be said about authenticity and putting yourself out there in an authentic way. I think a lot in this world of motherhood these days, there is this, um, and maybe, maybe this is risky me putting it out there, saying it like this, but I feel like there's this like fake, maybe not sense of like perfection in motherhood, um, but this hot mess, but like I'm, you know, I'm this perfect hot mess. So we're all hot messes together, but not really truly revealing our, our true selves or our true feelings. Does that make sense? I don't know if that's, but really, really being authentic about our, our journeys and like, yeah, yeah, you know, we're all hot messes together, but really what's going on? What's, what's going on in a deeper sense of things? Like I know that when I, when I had Jess on the podcast a few weeks ago, we, um, we shared our, I shared part of my birth story, which I had never shared with oh, wow. anyone other than my, than my husband. <laughs> and I think being around, you know, other women who are really open to, to getting a little bit deeper than this, um, like I think this, this surfle, surface level authenticity, I think that's, that's there. um, a lot in motherhood. I'm in a couple uh, moms groups and, and they're both amazing moms groups. So any, any of any of the women who are, who are listening to this, um, know that they're, they're amazing moms groups. And that's, that's something I think we talk about a lot is going deeper in our authenticity and just, and being okay with being ourselves in motherhood and not feeling like we need to fit into any sort of mold, whether it's the mold of like being the perfect mom or the mold of being this type of mom and that it's okay to grow and it's okay to evolve in our motherhood. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the first step with that is, is being okay with like our own emotions, sitting in our own feelings and sitting in the mess and, and maybe not always fighting it, but kind of embracing it and understanding that's a part of the journey. Um, I shared a little bit on social media that like this past weekend, we just, we had like a really hard Sunday. It was just like a crap day. Um, a lot of things didn't go as planned and our Sunday fun day turned into kind of a a mess. Um, (laughs) and, you know, I, five years ago, I would have been so mad and I would have fought it and I would have just kind of probably sat and wallowed in it. And also, and versus embracing it, I would have kind of fought it and then maybe moped about it for a couple of days. Um, but instead, like we moved through it, we sat in it, we felt it. And then Monday was probably 10 times better than it otherwise would have been because mm. now we had something to compare it to. And I think, you know, along those lines, like we can use words like hot mess and laugh it off. Um, but also, I think it's super important before we can even be vulnerable and share those experiences with other women and truly connect deeply in that way, we have to be able to be okay with it ourselves. And when I say be okay with it, I don't mean just like, it's not like, okay, bad day. Yay. This is great. It's more just like sit in it and feel it. And actually, you know, what, what kind of choose our perspective around the the tough stuff and how we look at it. Um, but not always just ignoring it, ignoring it, ignoring it, because that's when, or laughing it off or whatever, that's when it can kind of sneak up on us and turn into this chronic stress state and, and, you know, become the norm, I guess, where if we have the bad days and we, and we let ourselves feel that this is, it's okay to have bad days. Like we are human. Mm -hmm. The bad days make the good days that much better. So sitting in those days, feeling those days, letting ourselves be pissed or upset or sad or feel defeated or feel whatever we need to feel. Um, 
that's how we can kind of move through them into maybe embracing and cherishing and appreciating the good days that much more and also accepting the bad and maybe talking about the bad to our partner. And then as we get more comfortable to other women in our lives and just creating less stigma around the fact that motherhood is hard because it is, it's really hard. Um, It's also really, really great. But if we don't talk about the tough stuff and we only try and focus on the good, then, then we just get into this place where everyone thinks that there is no tough stuff or that there is some, semblance of perfection that's possible and that's just not the reality it's never uh possible to be perfect because perfect doesn't exist yes oh yeah so true and it really it really is all about perspective I love that you said that you know the hard days remind us of how good the good days are well you were much more eloquent in saying that but (laughs) the good days are that much better um when we accept that you know there are going to be hard days and they happen and feeling that and then and then moving on I love that so I would love to take it back a few years for you um, and share your story a little bit about um, how you found your balance and how you got to this place you are today. Um, I know you struggled with hypothalamic amenorrhea. Am I saying that right? Yes. Like losing your period? Yeah. <laughs> um, and can you share a little bit about that journey um, and your fertility journey and how really tuning into your body and I'm sure in some ways tuning into to your feelings and your emotions around this played a role in healing and really becoming the woman you are today? Yeah, it's one of those things where I look back and I'm like, man, talk about some tough stuff, um, but not wanting to change it. So I, starting in high school, um, I played field hockey and I really wanted to be captain of my field hockey team going into my senior year. And I literally ran my butt off that summer, like every single day, family vacations didn't matter, would wake up early and just got into this like very, very strict routine where I would wake up, I would run for, for a very long time. And then I would have a very specific breakfast. It was probably like special K, like very low fat, um, you know, little to no protein or fat mostly just carbohydrate, highly processed, but all the things that, you know, study were like, these are the healthy options. You want the special K, you want low fat ice cream bar, you want, you know, you're like all, it's, you know, we all, we've all been there. We've, or at least we know, <laughs> we know what that is. Um, and I sure, like, sure enough, I earned that spot, but I also put myself into, um, you know, female triad syndrome is what I say. So it's like, it was, mm-hmm. I wasn't, I was eating, but not enough to support my exercise. I was definitely over exercising and I was so set in this had to had to get into my routine every single day and if anything was off I would it would I would feel very anxious and um just wasn't in a healthy headspace and I was you know that that time in my life I look back and I'm like man I was in high school and I missed out on so much joy and fun because I was so worried about getting in my workouts and it just I'm I'm not mad that I went through it because I learned so much and it's brought me to where I am now, but that's kind of where it all started. And then I took that same mentality into college. Um, and I really think a lot of it comes back to control. Like what could I control in a time in my life, you know, moving mm-hmm. to a new school, leaving home. Um, and I ended up actually competing in um, endurance sports in college. So doing um, long distance running, like marathons, half marathons, and then triathlons as well. And I, I identified so deeply as this athlete who, you know, had to wake up on Sunday morning at 7 a.m. to go do my team runs because I'm an athlete and I'm training for something. <laughs> but I look back now and really that idea or that um, identity in me was really kind of just the guise for wanting to overtrain. And I mm-hmm. used the competition as an excuse for me to train and train and train and to control and control. Um, and I was so wrapped up in that identity that I didn't know anything else. And that was what I had to do every day. And same thing, like... I'd wake up, 
do some sort of pre-workout, workout, 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 eat a very specific breakfast. And then, you know, I, everything was to, like so structured. Um, and I was, I, I had joy in my life, but, but that joy could be very easily um, altered or shattered if some part of my day was out of routine. It would create a lot of anxiety for me. Um, and then during that time, my period went away. I was, I mean, weight is just a number, but I know for my body, it was very, very, very low body weight. It was like uh, five, six and just over a hundred pounds. And, um, you know, just going through day to day with, again, with moments of joy, but also with a lot of anxiety, they kind of lived. I had these like two lives, right? I, I look back and I wasn't miserable, but I was also missing out on a lot of opportunities for joy and for truly being present in my life and for truly loving myself. I feel like I was constantly at odds with my body, trying to change it or make it do more or be be something different, be smaller, but also fitter and, you know, all these things. And so then I came out of college, um, you know, in my final year of school, I met my now husband and he embraced me and loved me for everything that I am then now, all the in-betweens. But um, we together found CrossFit and I moved into that world of competition and I now I took my um, headspace and I was, you know, a vegetarian endurance runner. And then I took a similar mentality into paleo and, and CrossFit. And, uh, anyone who's done CrossFit knows you can't train the same number of hours you would for an endurance sport in high intensity, heavy load (laughs) CrossFit. And I just, my body just broke down. It was from chronic cortisol, um, chronic stress, overtraining, under eating. And even with paleo, like, thank goodness I was finally getting some you know, meats, red meats and, and higher fat and cutting a lot of the sugar. Um, but I also did zone. So not, I, I shifted to a, definitely a more nutrient dense diet, but I was still, I was weighing and measuring. So mm-hmm. I still took that very restrictive mentality and, you know, I still didn't have a period and, um, definitely was not eating enough for the training that I was doing. You know, I would train multiple times a day. It was just this similar mindset, uh, under a new kind of disguise. Um, and then finally, I'll never forget the day my upper back and neck just went into the most intense flare. And I ended up in chronic pain for years. Um, and it was, I mean, it was one really, really tough year right after we got married that I was just every single day I was in pain. Mm. I paid so much money to Western medicine doctors getting like MRIs and all of it. No one could really tell me what was going on. And then same, like I did more of a holistic route, um, chiropractors, everything you can imagine. No one could quote unquote fix me. And I think I look back now and I'm like, man, I was just putting all the onus on, on someone else. Someone else fixed me. I need a quick fix. I need a quick fix. And finally, I was like, oh, you know what? And I, don't, I still don't know what inspired this, but it's something that I'm forever grateful for. I had a moment where I was like, this might be my forever. So I need to elicit tools to help me cope with it. Mm. And I randomly got online and I Googled mindfulness-based therapy because I wanted someone to guide me through how to live life potentially in chronic pain, um, and not just give me pills. And I thought maybe a mindfulness-based therapist would be able to be that person for me. And I found this woman named Alexis, and she is the most incredible person, and she's still so much a part of my life. We still do Skype sessions. But I, to this day, will say therapy um, is one of the best gifts I've ever given myself. Mm. Uh, Finding someone not not to fix me, but to help me learn tools to love myself where I am now, and give these tools to move through life with. So after about six months of therapy, I realized that where we were living was not where we were, my husband and I needed to be to really find happiness and for me to heal and for us to connect and for us to go through the next couple of years of 
marriage in order to create the space to bring in another life. So um, through lots of conversations with her and then with him, we decided to kind of quit life in the Bay Area, which is very fast-paced Silicon Valley, California. Um, he quit his job and we moved to a very small remote town in Washington up in the Pacific Northwest on this peninsula that was removed and small and great food, surrounded by local farms, surrounded by trees, state parks like across, well, there's a state park across from the house we moved into. And I cut back on CrossFit. We, there was a gym there and I just worked out a few days a week. And then I walked a ton and I climbed trees and I listened to podcasts and I fell back in love with food because we were so um, surrounded by such incredible quality of food. And I just really fell back in love with cooking and enjoying the flavors and eating everything that was available. And we drank a lot of uh, organic hard cider and we just settled into life and just like I breathed ultimately. Mm -hmm. And I continued to use the, use the tools that I had learned through therapy. Um, and then my pain went away and nothing else changed. It was a headspace thing. Um, and I, um, fell back in love with food and I put on more body weight, more body fat, but I also not a ton. Like, I don't think, it, I don't think it was a body fat number. That was the issue. I don't think it was a training that was the main issue. I think it was a headspace thing. Mm. And so now that is the sole, that's the main focus of the work that I do with women is mindset and approaching fitness and nutrition from a place of self-care and from a place of thinking more and first about headspace. But my period came back. And, um, we lived there for exactly 13 months and then realized we were ready to come back to California, move to Santa Cruz where we had a really incredible community of friends and it was a little slower pace. We were on the beach. Um, and we had our daughter there and I can, we conceived within just a few months of actually trying after I had about 10 months of a cycle return. And, um, I look back now and I wouldn't change a thing. It was, you know, hard, a hard few years, but you know, and it's, that's all relative. I was going to say there's people go through harder, but I hate saying that because everything we feel our own hardships are all valid. But, um, I, I wouldn't change a thing because that trajectory brought me to where I am now, the work that I'm doing, that I'm incredibly passionate about a new appreciation and love for myself. Um, speaking openly about mental health and therapy and, um, most importantly, just daughter or mother to my, to my daughter who I love more than I could ever put into words. <laughs> and so that's, that's the not so short version of my, of my story of where I got to where I am now. Oh, I love that. I love your story. It's, it's so beautiful. And I love that it, it ultimately does come down to your mindset shift and, and those changes in your mind. And it is something I talk about a lot here on the podcast that it's, you know, because I talk all about intuitive eating and finding your balance. And, you know, I talk about choosing real food and nutrient dense food, but and all of that's, you know, important and good for our health, but really, ultimately, it's not about the food. It's about getting into a good place with ourselves and our body and our mindset. And without that, you know, we're going to continue to fall back into these into these patterns. And I had a very similar story as you did. Um, I was never a, a competitive athlete, um, but I've, I've always loved to run. I still love to run, just not to the extent I did. Um, you know, previously, but it, it was, it was, it was running to control my body. It was eating to control my body. And I think so many women have that same experience. Um, they might still be experiencing that now, or they can relate to experiencing that feeling of needing to control um, and finding that place where you can accept yourself in the here and now. And a lot of times, 
that does require talking to someone about it because it's it's not something that most of us can just flip a switch and do alone. And really, I say most of us, but I don't think I don't think anyone can really just flip a switch when it comes to to mindset and and finding your place of balance um, and self love, I guess. Um, so you know what? I would love to talk to you a little bit more about um, your your new program that you have, Intuitively You. And I think that it is so unique um, compared to, to other programs because it, it is a lot about intuitive uh, nutrition and intuitive uh, exercise and fitness, but you also do talk about mindset. And so I want to know why you believe all three of them. And I think you've already, you've already sort of shared a little bit about this, but why are they all so important and connected to living a healthy, balanced life? Well, it's one of those things where I think the word intuitive eating and intuitive living has become a little bit trendy mm-hmm. and and um, people often will fall mostly into the intuitive eating w- wagon or that's not the right word, but, you know, group where they want to be able to eat more intuitively and kind of want like this easy button or what, what does it mean? It's it's so vague. It's so hard to understand. And I think we can't truly understand what it means to eat intuitively without bringing in certainly mindset work mm-hmm. um, and and falling a little bit more deeply in love with ourselves and also understanding that it's okay to all of it's okay. If you have aesthetic goals, that's okay. And I think sometimes in the intuitive eating um, world or whatever, that's that's frowned upon. It's like you can, you got to intuitively eat harder, or you like it's mm-hmm. it's so black or white. Either you are like weighing and measuring and counting macros, or you're eating intuitively and you eat whatever you want, whatever's in front of you, etc. And I think we have to find a middle ground. And I think we yeah. have to really tune into our body's needs and our mind's needs and our heart's needs because it is impossible to disconnect emotions from food. And I think mm-hmm. that's the one thing that if we can all just embrace that a little bit more and understand that food serves us in so many ways, um, and it's a matter of tuning into our body and our mind and our heart and figuring out what service do we need at that time. At that time, If you're sick and you know that an elimination is necessary and there are certain foods that are making you feel very unwell, then, then whatever emotional pull or service that food might have, like say you're at a birthday party and you're celebrating with people you love and cupcakes come out. And you could eat a cupcake and it might serve you an emotional way to celebrate with the people that you love. But you also know that because of the season of life that you're in, that cupcake might send you into an anxiety flare or IBS or inflammation or whatever the case may be. It's all about kind of like deciding. And it's not risk to reward. It's not pros and cons necessarily. It's just how, what's the service that you need in that moment? Is it Mm -hmm. more physical and nutritional? Is it more emotional? Um, And then and listening and being okay with either one and not letting outside influences, not letting someone say, well, you're not going to eat the cupcake on my birthday. How dare you? Or, mm-hmm. um, or how dare you eat that cupcake when you have this thing going on and really instead of kind of like removing the outside noise a little bit and being present wherever you are and meeting yourself where you are and figuring out how is that food going to serve you? And the only way to do that is by tuning in to yourself and having a mindset practice of some sort that allows you to do so. Um, and then fitness comes into play as well because so often in diet culture, in society, with now with social media, we're inundated from girls from a young age, in my opinion, are kind of sold this story of you, you can out-train a bad diet, quote-unquote bad diet. You can – it's all about calories in versus calories out. So often we get to a place where we exercise to eat or mm-hmm. we exercise to burn off something that we did eat or exercise becomes a punishment. Exercise becomes only a means to change our body. Um, and those two things are so, so tied 
And so I really truly believe that having all three in one is really important because mindset's crucial for both how we approach movement and also how we approach food, both of which food and fitness are both things that we innately need as humans. We have to move our bodies to be well and we have to eat to be well. And somewhere along the line, things got so jacked where now food and fitness have become not just things that we need on an emotional and physical level, but now things that are to be, that we can't like trust our bodies to know how to do, mm-hmm. that we need outside sources to teach us how to do. Um, and that kills me because we, as humans, we should, you know, we wake up in the morning and we move our bodies, we get out of bed and, and it's just, it's a part of our nature. And same thing with eating. We eat foods because we have to, but also because they bring enjoyment. And so my goal is ultimately to bring the love back into that in whatever capacity, whether we're loving mm-hmm. on our bodies because maybe we need extra nutritional support. And so we're choosing super nutrient dense foods, but also foods that taste good. Or maybe we are in a celebratory phase and we're on vacation. And we want to experience a place so deeply by eating the food that's local there. And, and then same thing with movement. Like it's really cool to train for competition or to train to like push your body to do things that it's never been and never been able to do before or to, you know, even to have aesthetics. I have no issues with that. But what's the why? I think that's what it always comes back to is like, why do, why am I moving my body? Is it because I want to feel good? I want to feel strong. I want to train for this thing. I'm proud of what it can do. Or is it from a place of more of like punishment or I need to earn this food or work this thing off or, you know, so I think all three of them are so deeply intermixed and we can't, certainly can't dive into intuitive movement or intuitive nutrition without focusing on the mindset piece. And so bringing them all together in one place, I think really just allows for kind of the full picture um, and for the like to come full circle in terms of approaching fitness and food and mindset practice from a place of caring for myself, caring for yourself versus trying to just change yourself. And and I'm a a big believer in growth mindset and always seeking Mm -hmm. growth and looking to, you know, grow and change, but also from a place of meeting yourself where you are now. You can love who you are now and still want to change something. I think we we can get stuck if we never want to grow or learn more or change things or, you know, move through the different seasons. But um, it's just all it comes back to the why. Why do you want to change? Why do you want to grow? What is it about life right now that you'd love to see differ? And are you approaching it from a place of being at odds with yourself or wanting to embrace who you are now and grow and move forward in that space? Yes, I love that because it it does. It has to come from a place of caring for ourselves and loving ourselves first because if if it is from a place of punishment, then it's never going to last and that's not truly intuitive. Um, I love the example you gave um, in terms of nutrition about like the cupcake at the birthday party too. This is actually something I wrote a post on Instagram last week that I was actually really nervous to put out um, because I I was talking about how I think that a lot of times – intuitive eating, which is what I tend to focus on more as much as I love movement, that's not my forte. Um, it's big, it's swayed, I think, from, you know, really tuning into ourselves and um, coming um, at food from a place of self care and nourishment and also joy. Um, but to if you eat intuitively, you have to choose the donut every time. 
But that doesn't have to be the case because if it's not caring for yourself to choose the donut or that cupcake at the birthday party, if caring for yourself means making a different choice, then that is the intuitive choice. And that starts from that place of of self-care. And so I love that. I love that you have all three of those together because I think that, um, you know, personally, I think the reason that I was drawn to to this, um, I guess this this new phase of um, teaching about, um, you know, intuitively you and um, intuitive eating along with nutrition and mindset is that, sorry, intuitive eating along with uh, movement and mindset is that is that mindset piece because it does really it does really bring all of it together. So I'm curious about um, becoming a mom and how that has changed your perspective on working with other women and personally on balance in these areas, in the areas of mindset and nutrition and movement. How has having Evie changed all of that from kind of your journey before when you were in Washington to then having her and where you are now? Well, I think I have a new, certainly a new appreciation for the female body. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, after going so many years without a period and not really being super in touch with what it means and like my own feminine and my own power as a woman and like, you know, just my my, everything, my entire system physically and emotionally. Um, So going through that process and seeing what my body did, first off, like regaining fertility, getting my cycle back, getting in tune with what that means and what that looks like for my body, um, embracing my period and then getting pregnant and then my body growing a human and then birthing that human, which was the most empowering experience of my entire life. And then while recovering from childbirth, feeding her, caring for her, you know, keeping her alive, loving her to pieces. I grew closer with my husband. Um, I've fallen more in love with my own body, but then also at the same time on similar tracks, realizing that never in my life have I been so open to other people's opinions or not necessarily open. I, I, I took it, took what served me and didn't, what didn't, but at what, as we go through the motherhood transition, all of a sudden, like the moment we have a belly people, I think most often coming from a place of well intention, just feel like they can say whatever they want <laughs> and they feel like yeah. they can judge in whatever capacity they want. And they feel like they get an opinion on how you go through pregnancy, how you deliver your baby, what happens after you deliver the baby, how fast you go back to work, what does your body look like, what are you eating? It's like, wait a minute, this is my journey, this is my story, and you don't necessarily get to, you can have an opinion, but you don't necessarily um, get the space to share all of your opinions with me. And I think that whole scenario, I truly believe it comes from a place of good and it comes from a kind of like a, um, a biological place where we used to be tribal, right? And and we used to raise children together and we used to take really take such good care of pregnant women and all of that in terms of like, you know, the, the history of human, the human species. And so I think a lot of that's still innate in us. And so we see a pregnant woman and it's like, how can I, I want to be a part of this somehow, because I think there is a, like a biological pull to do that. But oftentimes it comes out as like judgment or opinions that come across as judgment. And so all that said, twofold, right? Like I fell more in love with my body. I fell in more in love with the female body. I fell more in love with women as a whole. Um, mm-hmm. and I feel so connected now to women, 
moms, not moms, it doesn't matter. Just the, just the female in general, anyone who even identifies as female, all of that. So there's a whole, and this is coming from a woman who in college, like I live with all men. I thought that I just connected more with, with men and now coming into motherhood, like I just feel this deep connection to the female and to femininity and to women and all of that. But then on the other side, also realizing how much scrutiny and judgment coming into motherhood sets us up for and how important headspace is moving into this transition because it can be so easy to get really, really overwhelmed and to feel that judgment deeply to our core and to overanalyze everything and to be so worried about everything and to allow other people's opinions to so deeply affect us. And what matters more than anything, right, in the motherhood transition is what happens after that baby is delivered. Yes, pregnancy is super important, how we eat, how we feel. Yes, labor and delivery, it's important, but it's, a, it's maybe, what, up to three, four days, and then you are a mom, and you have to care deeply for yourself and care deeply for another human. And I think the way that the current situation is set up is that there's so much emphasis and there's so many hours of classes spent on labor and delivery and how are you going to get through that process. And, and, you know, we're setting women up to feel like potentially they failed if they didn't have their birth plan play out. When ultimately, I think more support is desperately needed for women after that baby arrives Earthside. So how are we setting women up to feel loved and supported versus judged and scrutinized? Um, and I just don't think there's enough support in the postpartum period. And so that's really coming into motherhood. I felt incredibly supported. I felt very, very fortunate. I felt very strong and very empowered. But I know that that's kind of the exception and not the norm. And so I've kind of found through going through this process that that's really what I'm called to do is to support women as a whole, but then also uh, so much so women in the postpartum period, any stage of postpartum, whether you know, you're know you newly postpartum or you have a 20-year-old, um, it doesn't matter because postpartum's forever. And yes. once, we ha- once we're a part of this community of moms, um, and you know that's also motherhood in terms of like adoption or you know any, anyone who identifies as a mom in any way, um, it's super important to support women through that journey and season. And so I've learned a lot in going through it myself and I've grown a lot and I've connected a lot and I, I feel very called to do the work that I'm doing. I love that. And I, I agree so fully that we do need to support moms more, especially in those early postpartum stages. But like, I was like, amening over here. We're like, postpartum is forever. As long as we are mothers or are a mother figure to other people, we are, we are still supporting other people. And that means we need to be supported too. So I'm, I'm curious, what would your, I guess, best pieces or piece of advice be maybe to the woman who doesn't feel supported in those those early, you know, days or weeks or months of postpartum? How can she how can she support herself? Maybe how she how can she ask others to support her? I don't know if you have any um, feelings on that. I think it's twofold. Um, One is, is just not being okay with asking for support, like from your partner or your friends or your family or anyone who might be there to support you. And if you don't feel like you have that in your life, then seeking it out, whether it's like mom groups, La Leche League. Um, I know, I know multiple women who, whether they did or did not struggle a ton with breastfeeding or bottle feeding or however they fed their child, they would still go to La Leche League meetups or Mm -hmm. baby wearing meetups or whatever it is where you can find other women who are in it. Um, and whether or not those women are going through it the same as you or have the same mothering headspace or, or, um, want to be a certain kind of parent or, you know, breastfeed, bottle feed, 
baby wear, strollers, whatever it is, you're still connecting with other women who are can relate to you in a way that no one else can because they have a baby. And that is something that, you know, is, is very, it's a very unique situation and it's really hard to understand what that's like unless you're in it. And so if you don't have people in your life who you can, who can support you and maybe that's just like going for a walk with you or going out for a drink or a coffee or, or inviting, inviting them over and letting your kid just like lay on the floor or be in a stroller or be on your body or whatever it is. Um, finding spaces where you feel comfortable being you. And where you don't have to feel like you have to pull it all together and have your hair done and look a certain way or be a certain way and where your baby can cry and that's okay. Um, so finding, even if it's just like one person in your life who allows that and who, who holds that space for you, finding that. And at the same, on the same token, I think we can find a lot of support by asking for space. Mm-hmm. So I know for me, postpartum, I, I didn't want to have people around all the time and I didn't want anyone at my birth and I knew that. And so I felt totally fine and safe asking for that space. And when people were visiting and I was ready for them to go, just saying, okay, we're, and we're done, you know, or people wanted to come over and they would ask to hold Evie, but I wanted to be holding her. I would just say, no, no, I'm going to hold her right now, you know? And so kind of just taking ownership of who you are as a mom and being okay for asking for what you need. And also for asking for space, for asking for help, like, Hey mom, sister, friend, can you come over and just like help me fold laundry? I just want to sit here and hold Evie and I need help vacuuming, <laughs> you know, little things like that. Um, people want, like, as I mentioned, this kind of comes full circle. I mentioned earlier how I think people oftentimes give unsolicited advice or opinions about as we go through pregnancy and motherhood because they want to help and they don't really know how. So it's almost a gift to give the people in your life to ask them for help in the exact way you need it because they want to be there for you. Most of the time, there's people in your world who want to be there for you postpartum, but they don't know how. They don't want to overstep boundaries. They don't want to be in your space, but they do want to help. And so if you can just be like, hey, this is what I need from you, and here's why, and here's, or not even the why, but here's how you can do it. Um, I think we get scared to ask for help or ask for what we need because we're, there's this expectation that we should have it all together postpartum. Mm-hmm. No one has it all together. No one. <laughs> and so asking for that help um, when you need it is a gift for yourself, for your child, for your partner, but also for the people who want to be there for you. Totally. And postpartum or not, too, whatever stage right. of motherhood you're in, I think that we, we need to be more okay with asking mm-hmm. for help. Because I think a lot of us as moms do put on this, like, happy face and, like, we're okay, we're fine, we can do this, when, like, inside we're like, no, I could really, really use some help. And and coming to that place of even just starting small and asking for the little thing, like, I really just need an hour to myself on Saturday. Can you just, and, you know, if you're, if you're partners around asking your partner for an hour to yourself or for help, you know, whether it's those early postpartum days or even later on, or if they're not around, I know that both of us have husbands that travel and I'm really thankful that um, I have my mom pretty close by and she takes my girls very often, which is, I'm so, so grateful for. Um, But sometimes I'm like, can you just take them for like a little bit longer so I can get a little bit of time to like, I don't know, clean my house or just get a minute to breathe. And I think that that's so important for moms and in our journey and in every area of our life, I think that we are, we're better moms um, when we, when we do ask for help and when we do, especially when we need it the most, whether it is that early postpartum stage or when we're going through a hard time, when we're trying to find our balance when it comes to eating intuitively and getting our mindset in the right place. And um, I think that asking for help is is so, so important. So I'm, I'm really glad that, that you mentioned that. Yeah, we did. I remember doing a podcast episode on that like way back. Um, I don't know if I was, I think I was pregnant. 
just on like kind of two things, like being okay with asking for help, but then also being okay asking for space. Mm-hmm. Um, just it's super, super powerful. That's something that I've had to learn a lot myself in the last couple of years, especially, especially as I have come into having two kids. Cause it's a, for me, it was a, it was a really big shift having one. Cause my, um, my girls are four years apart. So I had one little girl for four years and she was my little buddy and we did everything together. And then all of a sudden there was two kids to watch and one older child who adores her little sister. But at the same time is like, wait a second, I had you all to myself for four years and now you're paying attention to this little human who's attached to you most of the time and that was that was hard managing that like on a consistent basis day to day and you know with so much love like I I love both my girls and I love being a mom Um, but realizing that okay I also to be the best mom I can be and to you know support my girls in the best way that I can I need some space to myself too and learning that about myself and not feeling guilty for asking for that space when I when I need it I think is so important it's okay to ask for help and to ask for space it will make you a better mom if that's what you need (laughs) and I love that you even mentioned like asking for space from your children like that's okay we can't be around them and be happy and and we can't like show up fully for them all the time. It's not possible. So we have to take that time away. And early on, I was working full time for CrossFit. When I went back to work with CrossFit at 16 weeks and then also building Beauty Counter and also doing my Radical Root stuff. Um, and I was working all from home. And I realized that I was just, it wasn't working because I was like, I want to be here and be present for her, but that I have all this work to do. And so the best thing I could possibly do was just ask my husband, like, I need this many hours a week to actually leave the house and go find a coffee shop and really just sit down and have uninterrupted time. I can't just work at nap time and, and, and then try and work while she's around. And especially as she got older, right. And she's way more aware of what I'm doing and the fact that I'm looking at my phone and my computer all the time. And mm-hmm. so finding that space, asking for that space, even from your own children is very powerful. Totally. And I think so much of it is about being present with our kids while we're there as much as we can. It's not, you know, we're not always going to be present with them all the time. But it is more, I think it's about that quality rather than quantity. And sometimes I think as moms, we feel guilty about taking that time away from them. But like I said before, if it's making us a better mom because we're, we're filling our cup up, we're having that space so we can come back and be more present and we're not toggling between things because we have other things. You know, I have a business that I'm growing to along with having my kids and, you know, and, and with my husband gone sometimes too, I think it's, it's necessary to, to really find that, that balance, I guess, and be present when I am with them. Absolutely. It's powerful. And we have to, you know, it's like kind of, again, it's like one of those kind of trendy things to say right now. It's like, you got to take care of yourself so you can take care of everyone else and the, the, like the put your own face breathing mask on first, but it's true. Mm-hmm. It and is, I do think yeah. we, as women, I think we have kind of a superpower where we can serve from an empty cup first for a while, but there's, there's an end to that even like we are incredible that we can, we give and give and give and I, and I respect that and I appreciate that and I don't want to like de-emphasize that. But I also think that, that we all have a limit because we are all human and there's no perfect and there's no real balance either. The balance is going to ebb and flow as we move through life and sometimes we're going to feel like we are in balance. But then, you know, there's going to be seasons where we're, we don't and, uh, you know, balance in and of itself is super arbitrary and, where you know, it's, it's all just there's going to be seasons where we're really able to take care of ourselves and we embrace those and we do the best we can in those periods. And then other times where 
things just feel kind of a mess and that's also fine and beautiful in its own way. (laughs) And so just kind of embracing those different periods and knowing that like, yeah, we are incredible. We can serve from empty for a while, but not forever. And we have to take care of ourselves. Yes. And everything is a season. Like you said, sometimes we're going to have more time for that. And sometimes we're just not going to, but it is, I think, finding that balance and knowing that balance is not static. There is no one balance that we're going to find in, in any area of our life and our motherhood, but it does change season to season, I think, and leaning into that and doing what we can during whatever season we're in. Absolutely. Powerful stuff. So I want to switch gears a little bit because there's something I, I want to talk to you about because I it really it really inspires me a lot and I want to talk to I want to have you talk to the moms a little bit um, who are listening and it's not all moms it's it's mostly women who listen to the podcast I have a few male listeners I'm not sure if they're still listening now but if they are more power to you <laughs> um, but I loved watching your journey in feeding Evie your daughter um, as like I was telling you before we were just behind you in feeding our second daughter and we definitely approached um, feeding our second daughter Ren a little bit different than we did um, with our daughter Sage. She was five and a half now and we still, you know, I've been in holistic nutrition for a long time so we fed her very nutrient-dense foods. Egg yolk was a Sage's first food followed by avocado. We didn't, you know, we didn't go like the the rice cereal route. We went a little bit different um, but with, with Ren we went a little bit more of an intuitive route, a little bit more of kind of like a, a baby led weaning so to speak, you know, we didn't follow any particular protocol or anything. Um, but I think that there is such, um, well, kids are born to eat, right? They're born to be intuitive about eating. And I, I'm really inspired by the way you've you fed Evie. And I know I saw an Instagram story that you posted the other day about how, you know, I don't remember what it was that she ate, but you know, even now that she's a toddler, she just ate a couple things that you kind of gave her and you just sort of let her go with it because she's listening to her body and and tuning into her own intuition. And I think that that's so inspirational because I think so many of us, as when it, we approach feeding our kids and teaching our kids about feeding themselves as they get older, um, we don't necessarily trust ourselves to trust our kids. So could you share a little bit more, I guess, about your intuitive approach to, to feeding Evie sort of from the beginning to now? Yeah, it's been a really fun journey for me. And um, I one of those things where I, I, it sounds kind of cliche, but I truly just trusted my gut for whatever reason. Like I didn't have the capacity mentally or emotionally to like make her, her own special food and to just watch her throw it on the ground. And like, I just like, is I'm not doing it that way. It didn't feel right. And the, and the reason we knew she was even ready is because she just reached for a piece of steak on my plate and took it and sucked on, sucked the juice out. And we're like, okay, <laughs> she's ready. So we just went, we followed her lead. Um, and we would, in the early days, I never like, we didn't really sit her down in her own seat and, um, feed her, her meals. Not at the very beginning, at least we would just, I would hold her on my lap while I ate and I would just hand her whatever she reached for. Um, and so it was cool for me because we, Rusty and I kind of set this precedent that anything that we eat is on limits for her. Mm. So we were super intentional in that period about what we were feeding ourselves, what was in the, the house. Um, and then as she kind of started showing more signs of being more and more ready, then we would actually, you know, feed her. But it was, again, just stuff that we had in the fridge that we were eating. Um, we'd try and always eat as a family as often as we could so that we're sharing. And so she could, we're not wasting food because we'll just, like, build our plates and then she can pull whatever she wants off of that. Um, 
And we just moved forward that way. And we offered very, like the things that society would most of the time deem as like, that's weird. Like sardines. We did a lot of, um, I would sprinkle organ complex from Paleo Valley, like in her eggs. Um, we did a lot of egg yolk. We did a lot of sauerkraut and she would just chug the sauerkraut juice. And so she taught me so much about how from the very beginning about how our ideas about food being weird or gross or different, it's, it's very much learned. Mm-hmm. A baby has no idea yes. that, that sauerkraut or sardines might be considered bizarre. She was eating like salmon eggs and liverwurst and all the things that I had grown to love as my opinions and beliefs and understanding of food changed. And I actually realized that they're pretty delicious if you prepare them right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just, we did a lot of that and, sh- and she would eat food off our plates, plates. And so like we would do burger bowls that might have some spice. We'd do like probiotic um, chili powder that we find at a farmer's market and she would eat it and not be concerned. And so I'm grateful for that early on because she was exposed to a lot of textures and a lot of flavors. So now she's not super weirded out by pretty much anything. Like she loves kombucha. She loves sauerkraut. But then there's also times now that she's almost two where like all she wants to eat is, is blueberries and honey or maybe even like French fries. And that's, you know, when we're out at a restaurant and I'm just really, my intention with her, with her food journey has been so year one for me was very, very, very focused on nutrient density, on variety, and on just offering a lot of things and seeing what she would take. And then no, and zero, I didn't allow, I was pretty regimented with this, no processed sugar and no grains for her first year. I didn't want those. They weren't in our house anyways. I wasn't eating them. I was especially like right when she started her food journey, I kind of went into therapeutic, very, very low carb because I was having a lot of brain fog and stuff. And so she was eating what we had in the house. And it was a lot of just like really high quality fats and proteins and vegetables and fruit, like berries. Um, and then after year one, you know, what we started to, we were on the road more, we were traveling. And then I just, I don't want to create any food issues for her. So food is not good or bad. Food mm-hmm. serves us or it doesn't. And so if we're out at a restaurant and Rusty or I get a burger, right, we typically will skip the bun, but there might be fries on the plate. If she reaches for a fry, I'm not going to react she can have a French fry, you know, and I, I'm not, I don't want to like put any of my past food stuff on her. If she gets a little bit of canola oil in her body at, um, one and a half, two years old, especially in relation to all the other super nutrient dense foods that she has, I'm not worried about it. That's not going to be the thing that breaks her. You know what I mean? (laughs) What could be far more detrimental is showing her, teaching her that that food is bad Mm-hmm. Um, or super, super being super restrictive about it. So then she's going to want to reach for more. She might eat one or two French fries and then she's over it, but then she'll eat like her whole burger patty with, with cheese on it. So I'm just like, I just now at this stage in the game, um, I'm really working on kind of finding the, uh, the balance. If that's an actual thing of consistently daily, multiple times a day, offering real food options, letting her decide what she wants from those offerings And then when we are out and we are experiencing a place or we're going to this cool restaurant that I still always seek out higher quality. So I know it might be some vegetable oil in the tortilla chip or the French fry, but I also know that their beef is grass fed and that their cheese they're using is local, you know? So like, again, the balance there, it's all weighing like a, um, we choose to, on another conversation, choose to vote with our dollar in terms of the food and the restaurants that we Mm -hmm. support. So most of the time, everything on that table is very high quality, even if there's some vegetable oil or peanut oil or whatever, like every, we're all going to be okay. Um, and so I offer a lot of nutrient dense foods and I let her pick what she wants. And so this is like so perfect because two days ago I offered her smoked salmon for breakfast along with some berries and avocado. And uh, I always do like a spoonful of beekeepers, naturals, bee powered honey. 
And the only things she would touch were the honey and the berries. And then yesterday morning, offered pretty similarly, because that's what we had in the van fridge. And all she wanted was the smoked salmon and the avocado. <laughs> and she fed all the berries to Rusty. And so I see that and I'm like, cool, two days ago, your body was wanting, for whatever reason, it was wanting more of like the, the denser carbohydrate and the sweet and the, and the glucose. And you, you know, she was kind of fighting off a cold. So maybe there was a reason for this vitamin C and the nutrients in the, in the blueberries and the, um, and the, the honey and the propolis and the royal jelly and all that. And then yesterday morning, you know, the day before she hadn't had a ton of protein or fat. And so all she wanted, she ate an entire avocado and a bunch <laughs> of pieces of my smoked salmon. And, um, it had to be out of my bowl, which is, is fine. You know, <laughs> all the things, the toddlers, it's kind of a pick your battle thing. Um, and so, and, and I feel good about that. And there's definitely weeks and days when like right now she's in an egg boycott, she won't eat eggs. And I'm like, man, but then I think about it and I'm like, am I projecting my issues with you not eating eggs because it's convenient for me to give you scrambled eggs. That's, it'd be really easy if you ate those every morning, but you're not. So that's, I have to be more creative with what I offer. Um, I'm maybe worried about the choline you're not getting, but there's, you can find that in other foods. If you're eating smoked salmon and all these other nutrient dense foods, I, it's okay. We're in a season where you don't want eggs. You might want them again someday and that's fine. So really trying to roll with it. Um, I, you know, I really try to not do like, you can't have this until you eat that. But every mm -hmm. once in a while when she's asking for breast milk, which she still very much loves, now I am, I've set a precedent where like, okay, you can't have milk until after we've eaten. And so kind of finding like the, the rhythm for us and what works well for her. But ultimately it comes down to offering a lot of really nutrient dense foods and letting her pick and trusting her body because as infants and toddlers, they haven't yet lost the ability to eat intuitively. Mm -hmm. um, but coming full circle back to the whole intuitive eating thing, if we offer a bunch of hyper palatable, hyper processed foods, they will lose that touch. They mm -hmm. will lose the ability to be in tune with their bodies. And so that's where it's like, yes, those things are not always off the table. I don't forbid them when we're out and they're available, she can have some. If someone offers her a bite of something, as long as I know that it's fine, like, it, you know, if we're at a family function, most of the time, there's some things I'm kind of adamantly opposed to, but most of the time, especially with the restaurants we choose, she can have anything on the table. But then when we're in the van and we are in control of what's being offered, we offer nutrient-dense foods, and she is still super in tune with her body and what it needs. Like, we were out, we met some friends last yesterday evening, and um, they got appetizers, there was like sweet potato fries, she reached for one, took a bite and wanted nothing to do with it. And mm -hmm. so I'm not worried about her like gorging on the foods that I don't find to be of best service to her um, because she still is very much able to like tune into full signals and to cravings and, and not be at odds with cravings, not fight cravings, but actually listen to what they mean. And sometimes that means tons of berries and honey, maybe even like, you know, some grain free cookies or, and she loves dark chocolate. And other times that means, smoked salmon and sardines and sauerkraut and avocado. And, um, my hope is just to continue to support her, to stay in tune and to trust her and trust myself. And it, I, I'm not perfect. Sometimes it's hard for me and I get frustrated and I just want her to eat. And other times I'm, I'm really roll with it. So <laughs> it's just all a journey and she's teaching me just as much as I could ever teach her. That's for sure. Ah, oh, yes, totally. It's definitely been a learning experience for me as a mom, too. I think that as I've grown in my knowledge of nutrition, as well um, as Sage, my five-year-old, has grown and how much we've kind of changed in the way that we've we've fed her and not also wanting to project my old food stuff on her as well. I think one of, um, 
one of the most powerful things I learned way back in nutrition school, like a decade ago, was that children self-regulate. And I think the more that we we foster their ability to trust their bodies and that innate regulation of nutrients that they need, I think the more that they'll continue to be in tune with their bodies. And yeah, I, I only have five years of experience with having kids. And I and I do think that it's it's been definitely a growing and learning experience. And um, I think we're sort of in the stage of maybe even having to to correct some things that um, and not correct because I don't I don't believe anything that I did was wrong. I think it's just it's all growth. It's all a learning experience about learning to, to teach my daughter how to how to trust her body. But my kids are still also like I, I have friends who are like, I cannot believe your kids eat, you know, like sauerkraut. Like they we've had to start making our own sauerkraut because they we just can't afford them going through a nine dollar bottle of bub, or jar of bubbies every single week. <laughs> um, but it is it's so cool to to see them really tune into their bodies and, and what they need. Um, so I've, I've definitely been in, inspired by your journey with Evie. And it's actually um, it's really funny because my my second daughter, Ren, who is 19 months now, is uh, basically a vegetarian. She does not like meat. But in the very beginning, we gave her steak, we gave her eggs, we gave her um, all sorts of meat and fish, and she ate it up. She Actually, she still loves smoked fish. So we get smoked fish from our local farmer's market, and she loves that. But that's like the only seafood that she'll eat. She was eating fish roe in the beginning. She was eating all of this stuff. And then all of a sudden, she decided that she really doesn't like meat. So we've had to find other ways to make sure that she's getting high quality protein. She loves Greek yogurt. So we get her a local Greek yogurt that she eats on the regular. So at least she's getting, you know, protein in that way. Um, And she does love cheese. So we'll get her grass fed cheese. So we try and give her like, you know, the highest quality we can so that she's still getting the nutrients she needs without controlling her, but letting her kind of uh, make her own choices about food because at this point like she just really doesn't love meat but every so often she will eat like half a burger out of nowhere she'll reach for it and she'll eat it and I think it's the funniest thing because you know nine times out of ten she won't go near anything that has previously lived um but sometimes she'll eat half a burger and I'm like that is her body I truly believe that is her needing something from that food and even if it's not her preference her body tells her that she wants it and we just kind of allow it we don't react to it we just go okay you want some of this burger and we don't necessarily change what we're eating because she doesn't like meat we eat the same things we eat all sorts of foods um and you know we we modify things a little bit she eats more beans than we do just because that's another way to get her protein and a little bit of iron even though it's not the same type of iron as meat um but for the most part we let her self-regulate and i think yeah kids are are so incredible in that way. And I think I think you're setting a great example for, for other moms too by just sharing that, you know, you're trusting in your own journey in feeding your daughter and that you're trusting her in um, sometimes just eating blueberries and honey and sometimes eating avocado and smoked salmon. I love it. Well, you know, I'm, I, I don't claim any sort of perfection, but <laughs> just doing the best that we can with, with what the information that we have. And again, like with my own experiences, and I love that you are in the similar space where you're just embracing where she is now. And, and, and I love that at this point, you know, for whatever reason, she's not wanting meat, but then when her body's like, Nope, you need the iron, you need some of these extra like B vitamins and whatnot, like then she'll eat it. And she, she knows she's not at odds with her body yet, which is so cool. And hopefully she'll like, our daughters will never get there. Yeah, I know. That's my, that's so my hope is just that my kids will have a better relationship with food than I had and a better relationship with, 
movement in their bodies than I ever had. And I think that ultimately that's why I do what I do. And I think that's a, a lot of, of how, why you do um, what you do as well is that, you know, in sharing this with other women and other moms that, you know, we raise up the next generation to trust themselves a little bit more. Absolutely. So it's very empowering. We have a lot of responsibility, but also a very, very cool opportunity. Yes, totally. So the last thing I wanted to chat with you about a little bit, because this is so unique to you, I shared with this in um, in the beginning when we kind of shared your bio a little bit, and you've shared a little bit um, in our conversation, but you recently made a really big life change. So you sold pretty much all of your things, right, including your home, and you moved into a van, and you have been traveling for the last few months, right? Um, Mm -hmm. and so how has that changed your perspective on flexibility when it comes, um, to food and to movement and just life? Well, it's been, I feel like this might need to be be a whole nother podcast episode (laughs) about being on this. It's hard to like really, truly dive into all of it in such a short amount of time, but it's just been the most freeing experience for me. And I, you know, I kind of mentioned earlier about how I went through a period of my time in my life where I was very regimented and very strict with my schedule and my routine and my fitness and my food. Um, and I truly believe this is kind of an answer to that in my like adult life. Um, you know, finding freedom and being truly happy and really like all day, we, we just have to be present because we have to know like two days ago, I didn't know where we were sleeping that night. So it's, we're constantly, it's really improving and, and mandating a lot of communication between my husband and I. Um, we have to make sure we're very in tune with Evie because one of the things we promised ourselves when we set out on this adventure is that we had to make sure that it was serving her. And so one of the best gifts that we've given ourselves is the ability to kind of let her feel her feelings and be in tune with her since the very beginning and not be afraid of tears and of, of emotions from our kid. And so we are now really readily able to know when she's had enough of something or when it's time to just have like a day where we just chill in the van and maybe in the middle of the day we watch Moana and whether we need a day where we're just go to a, like we're in nature, we don't see anybody or whether she's feeling super social and we can have a day where we're like brewery hopping and around a ton of people. Um, and so I think it's, it, it's kind of like this multi, multi-leveled, beautiful, magical thing where communications improve. I, my husband and I are just are coming to so much clarity on what we want in life. You know, when you quit, like the quote unquote normal life and we sold our condo and now we're in this space where we are kind of in like this um, floating area where we can't do this forever. We're very, very happy, but it's allowing us to really dive into the things that we know we want from life. What are our non-negotiables and how do we get those? And then it's really allowing us to be in tune with each other and with Evie um, all day. And it's really allowing for great night's sleep because every single day is it there's there. It's so full. I'm getting work done. We're communicating. We're figuring out where we're going to sleep. And then by the time our heads hit the pillow, we all go to bed together and we are just wiped out Mm -hmm. um, in a good way. Like the days just feel very full and, um, it's brought a lot of clarity. It's brought a lot of freedom. It's, it's improved my relationship with fitness as well, because we don't have a gym that we can go to every day, but I'm finding beautiful ways to move my body every single day. Um, am I the fittest I've ever been? No, but also what does that even mean? Right? Like my body feels really great. This is the longest I've gone without a chiropractic adjustment. And I'm just like every morning waking up and doing flow and finding new spaces and we're meeting new people and so many connections. Like I've right now I'm staying, uh, we're parked outside of our friend's house that we met. I met her through beauty counter. She's on my team and we never would have come to this town called Frederick, Maryland, but we fell so in love with it. And now we're back a month later and we're staying here for 10 days and just the deep connections and the other kids that Evie's getting to meet and the growth that we're seeing, it's just been the most incredible experience. And I've also fallen more in love with this country. 
Um, I think it took for granted. I was always like, I want to travel internationally. I want to go to Europe. And now it's, I'm realizing all the beauty that is within this country, mm -hmm. um, all the different parts, the national parks. We've hit so many national parks. We got Evie like a little kid's passport to all the parks. And so she's got stamps from the many that we've gone to. And um, just a lot of freedom and a lot of really high quality family time together um, and a lot of communicating and growth. There's hard days for sure, but the, the good days far outweigh and far there's way more good than bad. That's so beautiful. I love that. <laughs> um, I would love to chat more with you. Um, and I feel like we could probably continue to chat for hours, but I want to respect <laughs> your time because I know that your time is limited. I know that your your husband and kiddo are, are you know, sleeping while we're having this conversation. And you're going to want to. <laughs> yeah, you're going to want to jump into into life with them. Um, so is there anything else that you want to share with um, the women and the mamas listening mm -hmm. about becoming intuitively you? I think the best advice I could possibly give is just to tr like to trust yourself. Um, I think that all of the marketing and social media and ultimately kind of society as a whole, there's a lot to be gained financially from us being taught that we don't know what's best for us, whether it's in our fitness or our health or our mindset or our nutrition or motherhood. Um, we do. We have it. It's all there. Um, and it's just a matter of kind of like getting rid of the fluff and the noise and the distractions and taking time to tune in and really know what your body and heart need and want and being okay with asking for that and being okay with wherever you are now and, and also being okay with growth. Um, so it all just comes down to like learning to trust your body and meet yourself where you are versus being at odds and fighting where you are now. Um, and again, that doesn't mean change is, is a bad thing. It just means you can work towards growth and change from a place of also appreciating where you are now, where you, what, and what you've been through and what got you to where you are. And also knowing that it's the hard stuff that makes the good stuff that much better. Um, and I think, you know, it's not a great business model on our end with intuitively you because the, the goal is to do it one time. And then it's going to, we, we don't have any open space to ship, to sell more because if you do, if you take the course and you really tune in and you do it and maybe even you repeat it, um, you hopefully won't need to buy other things or do other things or get, you know, fad diets or weigh and measure. And again, I don't have issues with weighing and measuring food or, or, you know, seeking health coaches or nutrition coaches or fitness coaches. I think that's all great. But as long as the why is not from a place of you don't trust yourself or you don't think that you're worthy of doing, you know, like leading your own journey, I think finding support and guidance is so important, but also really tuning into your why is the most important. Totally. Uh, well, I have three quick fire questions that I want to kind of ask you at the end, even though that really should have just been a mic drop. We should have ended it right there. <laughs> that was so, so good. Um, just because I'm a foodie and I really want to present food as a means of nourishment and satisfaction, but also joy as well as fuel. Um, so I asked these kind of questions to, to all of my guests right before we hop off. So the first one is, what is your favorite thing to cook? Mm, right now, I'm really missing um cauliflower roasted cauliflower it's so bizarre but we don't have an oven mm. um and so we did burger bowls last night with uh the friends we're staying with which is like one of my favorites but I love putting roasted cauliflower in with that and I do I have a recipe on my blog for um golden cauliflower rice but I sometimes will use the same kind of seasonings and everything and do it just as roasted cauliflower like big chunks of cauliflower and 
I, it's just one of my favorite foods and it's, I just miss it because we don't have the, uh, the place right now. We don't have an actual like full kitchen. We just have a camping stove top. So I do like, you know, turmeric and cumin and paprika and sea salt and, mm. uh, all the ghee. And it's so good. And I actually weirdly really miss that. So that's what I, we're, um, house sitting for a little bit here in Frederick and I'm looking forward to making that. <laughs> that's so fun. I love that. <laughs> so then what is your favorite thing to order or have someone cook for you? Mm, goodness. That's such a good one. Gosh, I don't know. Right now, in this moment, like a really, let's see, a really, 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 if I'm going to do it, like a, hmm, this is hard. I don't know. I should have thought about this one a little bit more. It's because we're moving into nicer, warmer weather, like a, it's crazy to, this sounds so bizarre, and I don't just eat vegetables, guys, but like a really, really well put together salad because mm-hmm. I think there's an art to making a salad that's outstanding um, from what goes into the dressing to like, the combination. And I love putting salads together myself, but if I can go to a restaurant and get a salad that is so good that you're like, you remember it, um, with like all the local fresh in season ingredients. Um, I'm always very, very impressed. That's a, that's a telltale sign of an incredible restaurant. If they can put a salad on the menu that makes you continue to think about that salad after you've eaten it. (laughs) Oh, totally. I totally agree. I love that. There's actually, um, we have a, a winery You'll have to come next time you're up in the Northeast to uh, to Rhode Island. Come and, and visit me here. We have a winery with this really um, beautiful uh, restaurant, I guess, there. They have a little vineyard cafe um, that kind of overlooks the winery, too. Um, but both the cafe and the uh, a restaurant, it's called Bricks, sell food. And their food is good. Like, their food is, is pretty good. But... <laughs> I really haven't tasted much of it because they have this one salad and they always, they switch it up depending on the season and it's filled with like incredible seasonal local greens and vegetables and like really, really good grilled chicken and some sort of a local cheese. And it's just my favorite thing on the menu. And every time we go and oftentimes everyone that comes and visits, I'm like, let's go to Bricks and grab a glass of wine and have a salad (laughs) because it's so good. It is. It's so good. So I love that. I found that that some wineries have the best. There's a place in Napa or St. Helena, which is in Napa County called Farmstead and it's Longmeadow and Farmstead and they, it's a winery and they also have the salad that it's funny because this is the one that was in my mind and it's so simple. It's like arugula and strawberries and goat cheese and pulled chicken. And it's like one of the best salads on earth. And I think it's just the way that they put it together and whatever's in the dressing, they make their own olive oil, they press their own olives. And it's just that salad that like we go there again and again, and I always get it because I know that it's so good and I look forward to it. That sounds so good. Those are some of my favorite ingredients too. Mm. So <laughs> I would love so that. Good. <laughs> so last question. We talk a lot and we've talked a lot today about finding your beautiful balance. So going beyond obsessing over food and finding nourishment and pleasure in food, just like the foods we've been talking about and in life. So what does your beautiful balance mean to you in a few words? Hmm. Let's see. Beautiful balance. Mm. embracing feelings like the good, the bad, the hard, the mundane, um, and truly just trying to be present and meeting myself where I am now. Um, and just enjoying the little moments with my family right now. I'm just really family focused. So trying to truly just embrace this time in our lives. And so I guess like coming out, this is not a few words, (laughs) but (laughs) balance would be loving myself, loving the people that mean most to me and, um, choosing 
every day to to serve myself with what I eat, how I move, how I feel, um, and just embracing the journey. That's beautiful. I love that. And it doesn't have to be a few words. I just say a few words because I don't want to. I don't want to pressure my listeners to or my listeners, my capable. guests to have to. <laughs> no, I'm I'm the same way. I just did uh, my first Q and A episode, and I was like, this is going to be a quick one, and it was 40 minutes. So yeah. I understand. Yep. <laughs> All right. So Laura, can you share where my listeners can find you? Uh, my website is myradicalroots.com, and that is actually undergoing a beautiful facelift from my friend Kim um, of the Aptos Village Creative, and that should be launching in the next couple months. But in the meantime, everything's still on the original website. And then, you know, I really share most everything on social media on Instagram, and it's at laura.radicalroots. Um, and there's links to everything there. Um, I talk, it's a, really a mix of our life on the road, food, headspace stuff, movement, um, EV, beauty counter all of it. So you can find a lot there. I'm very active on stories and I have actually saved people who are interested in all of our journey. Um, I'm in the process of saving all of our stops into different highlights. So you can get on there and see like, what is it like to live in a van? You can click on, you know, I've got Texas and Maryland and, um, Vermont and Maine, all these different highlights for the different places that we've eaten and gone to and, and whatnot in those spots. So check that out and you can reach out to me there. I'm very available on like direct message and I love connecting with people. So and then you can also find the podcast at Modern Mamas Podcast on Instagram. And um, we are just loving that community so much there. It's so great. I, I already talked when, when Jess was on about how much I, I love the podcast. But I hope that. So I hope that at this point, um, my listeners are already listening to your podcast as well because it's so great. So thank you so much for being on. This was such a wonderful conversation. There's so much more I wanted to talk to you about. So maybe we'll have to have you come on another time and chat more. <laughs> oh, I would love that. And we should have you on ours and we can uh, just keep sharing the love. And the, I feel like the more people we can get listening to podcasts like these ones, um, you know, the more we can empower women and connect. And that's really what life is about, the, the connection. So thank you so much for having me on. It really means a lot. Oh, thank you. Oh my goodness, you guys. What an incredible interview with Laura of Radical Roots. As I mentioned in the interview, I have been following Laura and the Modern Mamas podcast since the very beginning and watching her journey of motherhood and really finding her balance and finding her space in the world of intuitive eating and movement is just so incredible. And I, I really do value the perspective that she has, that she brings to the world of intuitive eating and intuitive movement. And I actually wish I was able to chat with her a little bit more about some of the things. So I really do think I should get her back on to chat a little bit more about intuitive movement, um, but really her approach to eating in a way that works for you and only you and managing stress and focusing on mindset above all and how she nourishes sweet little Evie in such an intuitive approach as well is just really incredible. And so I was so grateful to have her on and I really hope that you enjoyed this interview. And I really truly hope that all of these interviews I provide with you are helpful and they help you find your beautiful balance and live a happier, healthier, more whole life. So if you have suggestions for more people that you want me to interview, please go ahead and um, click the link in the show notes and leave me either your questions or your suggestions for other people to have on the podcast. I really truly want this to be a conversation, not just with me and my guests, but with me and you, the listener, because I do appreciate each and every one of you. And this podcast is ultimately for you. All right, friends, have a beautiful day. Thank you, friends, so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I truly hope it encouraged and inspired you today to live a healthier life without restriction. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, would you do me a huge favor and give it a star rating and review in iTunes? Every rating, review, and subscribe helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear it. You can find me, Kristen, on Instagram and Facebook at Healthy Mama Chris or on my website, HealthyMamaChris.com. And don't forget to join us in the newly launched Supermama Society, a monthly membership to help you tune in to your intuition and nourish yourself without restriction to live like the Supermama I know you are. As a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are intended for information and inspiration only and are not a substitute for professional medical advice or treatment. Please consult with your healthcare practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friends.